I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And you can join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The handle is Ask Lisa Podcast. And also subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 147, Girls Are Harassing My Son, What Should I Do? You know, we always get these interesting letters, so many of them, topics that I never would think would be important in parenting. And I kind of laughed at first when I saw this because it sounds a little silly, but then I realized it's kind of important. Yeah, this is a really important topic. I mean, do you see this a lot? It's about a parent writing in about son being harassed by all these girls who find him attractive, but the son doesn't want the attention. Um, is this something you've seen in your practice? It is. It is. And I actually think I would categorize it under sort of not discussed nearly enough. Um, oh. That there is definitely um, a moment in middle school, and I think this is a middle school letter, where the girls are very forward in their advances, and the boys can feel overwhelmed. And this is just one slice of the romantic landscape, but it's one that I'm really glad we're talking about. Me too. I want to get right to the letter here. It says, hello, Dr. Lisa. My son is a handsome seventh grader. I've always known he was a good-looking boy, but he's gotten a remarkable amount of attention from girls. One girl texts him constantly, asking who he likes, asking him if he hates her, asking him to go get boba tea, etc. He never responds, and she doesn't give up. Another girl texts his friend all the time, asking about him. I know this is because the friend's mother tells me about it. And yet another girl, who I think may feel hurt by his non-response, made a playlist of angry mean songs about him. My son has said he hates all of this. He's very embarrassed and honestly doesn't want 
any part of this drama. He really doesn't know what to do. How do I deal with a son who resorts to ignoring and ghosting fawning girls? In the meantime, my husband is paranoid about him getting a, quote, bad reputation for being a mean kid. I feel when people are pushed and pushed, they end up responding and reacting in ways that are not acceptable or appropriate. I'm worried that my son is being driven toward this kind of response. Any advice is appreciated. First off, I never knew from the girl's standpoint, I I never knew that a non-response is just somebody who could be overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. Well, that is interesting, right? Um, You and I can sit in the girl seat on this, and I I can even get myself into the seventh grade girl seat on this. Yeah. And um, I don't think I would have been doing this if I had the technology they have today in the seventh grade, but I certainly had extremely powerful crushes, and I I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, of Um, course. But this is a really messy situation. This is a really messy one. What should this boy even do at this point? Well, the good news is he hasn't done anything regrettable yet. And what do you and mean I by really, regrettable? Well, I really appreciate what this, you know, mom says in the letter where she's like, I'm worried that he's gonna snap, right? That he's gonna, you know, that they're being the girls are being frustrating to him, annoying to him. It sounds like in many ways over plenty of lines. And, you know, I could totally see a well-meaning seventh grade kid being like, you guys leave me alone. You guys are being jerks. Like, snapping. You know, re- snapping and reacting badly. So what I, I really appreciate about this letter is that we get to start from um, kind of a blank slate. Like the kid's done nothing. It's creating its own problems to do not nothing. But we can easily imagine the stuff he could do that would create more problems than doing nothing. So for now, we're starting in a very good place. Okay. So this boy is getting all this attention. All these girls, we know girls kind of develop earlier than boys, some boys, right? So how does this boy even begin to deal with it? It's almost like he's running and hiding from all the attention. Yeah. He doesn't want no, the girls texting and asking him out. You do feel like you can sort of picture this scene, right, where the girls are um, full of activity around this. And he, it seems like you just picture this poor, poor boy like pulling the covers over his head, like kind of yeah. duck and covering and trying to stay away from it. And he's isolated with it. It sounds like he's not talking to anybody about it. His parents are aware, which is helpful to him, I'm sure. And so I think he's sort of standing out on his own with it, um, though his friends are getting texts about him. I mean, like I love the kind of the detail and the the you know texture of this reality of seventh grade. But I also can picture... The girls being very much in a, you know, kind of an organized group talking about this and kind of generating their own energy around it. And um, one of the things we see, Rena, when kids come into the romantic landscape, which usually starts by fifth grade, that has always Mm. been the case. Even when you and I were kids, fifth grade was usually when sort of crushes and dating, alleged dating started happening, or what what fifth graders call dating started happening. Um, Usually what we see is it creates a lot more activity and we're going with heterosexual models here, in same-sex groups than it does in terms of interactions between, you know, kids of different genders. So Mm -hmm. I can easily picture these girls talking, talking, discussing, discussing, keeping themselves very busy, getting this engine running while this poor boy is doing the equivalent of trying to hide under his covers. Mm. I want to step back for a second. I think I know the answer to this, but I still want to ask you because I I felt it when I was in middle school. Why are these girls doing it, right? He's sending signals of not responding. It's like when someone doesn't respond, 
just give up and walk away. But they're not. They're not. I'm not sure I really know, right? I'm not sure I really know. Other than to say, you said something I think so critical. Girls do develop ahead of boys when we look at the like broad strokes, you know, population-based data. Girls tend to ride a couple years before boys in terms of, or ahead of boys in terms of puberty. And seventh grade is actually one of those really kind of um, critical junctures, those critical inflection points. And like, you know, if you go to a seventh grade dance, it is one of the most like um, fascinating (laughs) kind of anthropological studies because you have, you know, seventh grade girls, some of whom look like women, like Mm -hmm. have the bodies of adult women. And there are some unusually tall seventh grade boys, but there are also a lot of seventh grade boys who look like fourth graders or fifth Mm -hmm. graders. You know, I mean, the disjunction is so big in that moment. So what I can say is if we just did big, broad strokes, it stands to reason that seventh grade girls may be more ready for romance, thinking about romance, feeling the stirrings of romance, where seventh grade boys maybe just be like, I'm not there or this is not how I want to spend my time. I remember this distinctively. Like I really remember being with my girlfriends and the boys not quite getting it or being kind of clueless or like, you know, just like what you don't get it. But I never thought of it from the boys' perspective that this is unwanted attention, that the boy is just not interested in, just clueless. How does the parent protect this boy and get him to see maybe what he might not see? Like where do you begin with this? Well, there's a really interesting question in this around the word harassment and how we want to think about whether this might be harassment and if it is, how to handle it. And so I think there's an object lesson in this that can be unpacked with the boy about what harassment is, how to respond to it, how to never be someone who yourself is doing the harassing. I actually feel like as much as this is like driving this kid up a wall, I sort of feel like there's been a beautiful moment presented to the family to talk about harassment and how it operates and what one should do on the receiving end of harassment and what the true definitions of harassment are. Mm. So for this boy, I'm just curious, would you look at it and how would you approach the conversation with him? Like, How do you get him to see that the non-response might not be the right response? Well, I think it's through the harassment lens. And so here's a question, Rena. Like when you think about like what constitutes harassment, like how would you define it? And let's like we can stick with adults for now. Okay. Unwanted attention, like constantly going after something that affects you in a way that you don't want that attention. Okay. So like I agree with you and we have it. Now the only thing that's missing in this picture and you know, I'm not an expert on harassment, but it's something I've thought about and written about at times, is if the power levels are equal between the mm-hmm. two parties, right? Which, and we can say seventh grade girl, seventh grade boy, we can presume, you know, for the sake of argument that they are equal power levels. You have to make it clear that it's unwanted, mm. right? So I do think the boy needs to say something. And so I would say if the power levels are equal, Harassment is anything that continues after you've said to somebody, please stop, Mm -hmm. right? So the first text, the first overture is okay, but if he says, please stop, what comes next turns into harassment. What do you think? Yes. 
I'm just wondering, it's so awkward, right? Middle schoolers are awkward, period. That's We all know that fact. How do you get a boy to work up the courage who feels like speaking out is going to be far worse, right? So, But also not speaking out is sending the wrong message. So I'm so confused on this. What does the boy do? He's getting unwanted attention from girls, doesn't want it, but needs to say something. He does. And here's actually where I think texting might be our friend. Because they are texting him. He can text them back, but he can text them back in a very carefully crafted communication that is, you know, the parents can help him with, that if it gets shared, he would have no anxieties about it. And and I think that that is the step that can happen after a conversation where I would have the parents say to him, let's talk about what harassment is. I want to know what that text would look like. Okay, but we'll come to it. We'll come to it. But I think we have to say harassment is, if it's equal, anything that happens after you've said, please don't, or I'm not interested, or no, thank you. And say to him, you haven't said that. So let's set that line in the sand. And yes, the girl should have gotten the message. Yes, it's not okay for them to be making mean playlists about you. Yes, it's not okay for them to be, you know, texting your friend. Like, you know, agreed. Like, this is all too much. But, buddy, in the name of just drawing the line, you got to draw the line. So I think that's the first part of the conversation. Then you can say to him, what would you say? <laughs> right? What would you say? And you start with his script. And he might be like, please stop. Go away. Leave me alone. I don't like this. And you can say, okay. <laughs> now what we have to picture is whatever you say, let's imagine it's going to end up passed around the whole school. right? And mm. so – It's in a text. Tone is very hard to control. So let's keep wordsmithing this until we get to a place that you would be okay with this getting passed around the whole school. So maybe it's more like, I really enjoy having you as a classmate, but my interest is in only being friends. Period. Mm. You know, or something like that. Like there could be something really kind. Like I enjoy having you as a classmate and it's fun to, you know, do X, Y, and Z together, but I'm not interested in anything beyond a friendship. I love this concept of letting him write the first text, draft, and then- Draft. <laughs> the first draft, not not the text, but the yeah. first draft text, and then kind of helping him make it more palatable in a way that doesn't seem so professional or that your mom wrote it. Yeah. You don't want to sound like your mom wrote it, but given what's going on, I'm not even sure that's the worst possible thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, what, do you, I mean, what, do you, what do you think the worst possible thing is? I think the worst possible thing is if this continues and he blows up, or if this continues and he doesn't blow up and he just keeps feeling beat down by it, right? right. I, I think, you know, the ideal outcome is that he's able to craft with the help of a loving adult something that really, um, you know, does the job and yeah. sounds like a seventh grader. Second best, doesn't sound like a seventh grader does the job, doesn't get this kid into hot water. Yeah, that's interesting. Lisa, I want to pause and I want to take a quick break. But on the other side of this break, I want to know what you would think if the genders were reversed on this situation. Would you approach it differently? Would your advice be differently? You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. 
Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it. And they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. We're talking about this letter, this beautiful letter that we got from a mom whose son is getting unwanted attention. He just doesn't like it. And Lisa's raising reasons why you really need to address this and how this could kind of explode. Lisa, you said something earlier about the power difference. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you meant by that? Yeah. So, you know, when I kind of have my, you know, daydream best possible version of conversation with this boy at home... I think it really is a big conversation about harassment. And the way I have always understood harassment is if it's between equals and the person makes an overture and you say no, anything past that is a har- is harassment. But if it's not between equals and there's an overture, that on its own is harassment. You don't have to wait for a no. So what I mean is like if your boss asks you out, mm-hmm. That's harassment. You don't have to say no for it to be harassment. He doesn't have to do it a second time or she doesn't have to do it a second time. So, you know, this I think is a fine point, but it's actually one this kid could totally understand. And so I would I would really widen the conversation to be like, let's talk about what harassment is. 
you know, when there's a power differential, it's where the person who has more power is making a sexualized or romantic overture, um, can be harassment, often is. When there's a power equality, as let's say there is in the seventh grade, you got to draw a line. And then if they cross the line, it's harassment. That's a conversation we should probably all be having with our kids of all genders, right? And so the, these, you know, this, this, pack of seventh grade girls who are full of, you know, romantic juice um, have laid the table for this family to have a really great conversation with their son about what constitutes harassment and why he needs to draw a line, hopefully in a very kind and um, not problematic if widely shared way. Mm. You know, this reminds me when we were talking about kids when they were younger and they were fighting and, and sort of beating each other up. We started doing this thing, I think, later in elementary school, which is I just started saying, she didn't give you your, her consent. And this was sort of like a very basic, she didn't consent to you. And so now that they're in middle school, they kind of get what that means a little bit more. So when someone's hitting someone or someone's pushing someone around, now they're like, mom, I told her in the beginning, she did not have my consent. It's kind of a joke. <laughs> in our family <laughs> now. But you know what? The message got through about unwanted touching, even though it wasn't exactly how we think of consent as today. Okay. This is so funny. I have ended up making the exact same joke in my house. I didn't know you were doing that too, but so- I probably got daughters, it from you. Where, where else I don't do know. I, I think we. I think we came to it independently because our minds are aligned. No, my two daughters will like, you know, sometimes go after each other in like the way siblings can get physical way. And it's not always the big one who's, you know- dominating. My younger one can dominate. And I will honestly, in a very lame and joking way, be like, um, did you get consent to do that? I don't think you have consent to do that. And they're like, ah, and they just keep going. But um, it's kind of funny. I yeah. I know. I totally got this from you. Absolutely. But I'm just curious, like you're, t- you're talking about this whole harassment thing. What if the roles were reversed, Lisa? If the genders were reversed, I mean. Yeah. So if the genders were reversed here, if it were, you know, if we took this letter and we switched in boys for girls in every place. And it was boys who were asking, 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 bothering, you know, punishing girls for not um, responding. We would absolutely say it's harassment. I think we'd be more like more ready to call it harassment just because the way the culture has so much focused on harassment is when it is men harassing women. Um, But I'll tell you, Rena, that goes on too. And, And one of the ways it goes on that is so... Um, stark is in asking for nudes, asking for photos. Mm. It's very, very common for boys to be like, send a nude, send pictures, and to ask and ask and ask and ask. And for the person on the receiving end, let's we'll just go with the boy-girl example for this, to feel totally paralyzed, unsure what to do, to struggle to know how to respond. And so I think Again, when we're having these conversations about what constitutes harassment, if you ask once and the person isn't interested, you should probably drop it, right? We should tell our kids. Yeah. If somebody asks you and you're not interested, you need to tell them, stop, I'm not interested. This is making me uncomfortable. I think that's also a really nice language to say to kids. You can say to them, I need you to stop. This is making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So helping kids to really know how to draw that line. But we do see it. Um, we see it you know, going both ways. And I think that when it happens, we get so reactive as adults and it's like, you know, kind of an alarming thing for us as it should be because we're like, whoa, kids are mistreating each other. They're now in a kind of romantic sexualized landscape where they're mistreating each other. Like this gets our, you know, gets our back up. And 
what I would say is like, can we walk it back? Can we put this in the broader context of what constitutes harassment, how to deal with something if you are being harassed, mm-hmm. um, and how to not harass somebody? And, and I think you were getting at this point earlier. I think this is so important. We should also say to our kid, if you ask someone and you don't get anything, leave it alone. Mm. Leave it alone. I, I think that there may be more room for those kinds of conversations too. That is interesting. That's so interesting. Um, the the part where in this letter, they're, they're worried about the bad reputation he might be getting by ignoring these girls because he just doesn't know what to do. And then those, as we know, if you're sticking with kids from like many years throughout the school years, that that reputation is hard to remove. What's your advice on helping this kid who's getting this unwanted attention from girls but is ignoring them and now risks having a bad reputation? Yeah, right. You don't want him painted into a corner um, that he can't get out of. Again, thank goodness so far he's just sort of (laughs) been radio silence. That's probably helped him up to this point. I think a well-crafted message can make a big difference. I think the other thing that we can help kids with is teaching them not how to not escalate something that's where somebody else is escalating. And the guidance I give kids actually comes from my work, my training around working with families under high conflict divorce situations, mm. where one of the things I was taught to help people with is to say to them, use the broken record technique. Come up with one phrase that you feel very comfortable saying and just keep saying it regardless of what happens. So what in this situation, what I could imagine is, you know, the girls going back to the letter, you know, like, will you do this? You know, um, I'm not interested. This is making me uncomfortable. You know, please stop asking, right? Maybe that's what he says. And then along comes another request. This is making me uncomfortable. Please stop asking. And then along comes another request. This is making me uncomfortable. Please stop asking. So something like that, where even if one party is trying to like ratchet way up, staying with the same language is basically makes it clear like this is going nowhere. Like no matter Mm. what you do, you are getting the same, you know, polite enough response from me. That can help take it down. And I think it's such a, I'm so glad that dad is raising this question of like, what are the legs on this thing? Because there is a digital record. This is going to be around. This can be resurfaced at any point. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like incredible conversations to have with this kid, one is about the landscape of harassment and how to get out of that landscape and never walk into that landscape. And the other is about, okay, your response, like you should assume it's going to be like a billboard, you know, and it's going to be there forever. So how do you want to respond and how do you respond really carefully so that when everybody pulls themselves together, as they usually do by ninth grade, everybody can just leave this behind them and it's not going to be a long, you know, problem that he has to deal with. And do you find that that response that you said, uh, what was it that you said that the response is, I don't- The broken record, the broken the, record technique, or they're like, this is making me uncomfortable, please yeah. stop asking. You this know, something like that. And again, I'm yeah. getting the benefit of tone and voice, which is hard to accomplish in a text, but yeah. you know, but that's what we do you, try. Do you find that when boys or girls or whoever is getting the unwanted attention uses that language, that it, it helps to diffuse it and people get the message? I think it's worth a shot. And yeah. I think- I think that, you know, again, 
this family has a lot of context. Yeah. They know their son. They may know the kids involved, right? They have a lot more data to bring to this that could help them refine the message to make it even more gentle. I would also say come up with your plan and then wait a day, sleep on it, mm. <laughs> you know, see if it looks as good to you the next day. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is he should probably be prepared with a broken record response because what these girls want is to engage him, mm. right? I mean, they just want an answer. Wow. And so I think his I think his instinct has been pretty good up till now, which is like, if I answer, I'm just egging them on, right? Yeah. I think he may yeah. have felt that and I'm not sure he's wrong. So he really needs to, when he answers, he needs to have an answer where he's ready to be like, this is it. This is all you're getting. Mm. This is all you're getting. I'm, you're getting nothing else from me. Wow. What are other text message responses you think that are there any other back pocket things in dealing with unwanted attention you think can get people to get the message to move on and this is not what I want? I think that we should come up with these because here's why I'm thinking and I, and we will. Part of what makes the situation so hard is that it's very developed, right? This is, you know, now involves multiple kids who've made multiple mm-hmm. overtures to this, you know, handsome boy. So I almost feel like in the name of responsible parenting, and I'm thinking about you and me both having middle schoolers. Yeah. We should probably have these conversations before it's an issue ah. and just say, look, if somebody sends you a text or makes a request that you don't like, here are, you know, three phrases that you should just text right back. And, you know, one of them is that request makes me uncomfortable. Please stop. Right. I think is a good one. Um Another one is, I'm not interested. Um, see you in class tomorrow, right? So something that's like, this I'm shutting down, but we are still classmates. I don't know. You got any thirds? Any other mm. ideas? Oh, I'm just so, I wouldn't even know what to begin because I think I would be too mean and be like, <laughs> I would just be not interested. <laughs> Bye. You Bye. know? Go away. <laughs> Go away. Go away. Don't like you. Um, uh, yeah. So I think also, though, what's fun actually, Rena, is you can sometimes spitball with kids like what they want to say. Mm. Like I have often found that you're like, what would you like to respond? You know, yeah. and they'll be like, I'd be like, I would respond, no, you smell funny. I don't want to be near you. <laughs> like, and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're not going to say that, <laughs> you know, but help letting them get that kind of out of their system or whatever, like can help them to then come up with something more reasonable and rational. Yeah. I want to return actually to requests for nudes. Those yes. are way over the line. Yeah. And they happen all the time. Um, I have seen in this situation, I know for sure that girls request things from boys they shouldn't request, but in this situation, I've seen girls ha- trying to handle it more. Um, I have seen, <laughs> I've heard of a girl who was like, somebody's like, send me dirty pictures. And she like sent, like she took photographs of like mud. <laughs> sent it back. <laughs> um, and so I think sometimes some kids in some situations can diffuse it with like, humor mm-hmm. and just be like, you're knocking on the wrong door. you know. So again, these are wildly complex dynamics. But what we do want to equip, actually, as we talk it through, I'm like really now much more clear about this in my own mind. We want to equip all middle schoolers with a polite and clear and firm repertoire mm-hmm. that they can use the first time they get a mm-hmm. request mm-hmm. that makes them uncomfortable. Mm. I love what you say that you've got to have these conversations before you get to this point so they know what to do and they're not at a loss. Yeah. I think um, it's always easy to fix things when they're still on the smaller side. Mm. When they grow and grow, they can still be repaired, but it takes a lot more work. Mm. So Lisa, is there anything else you think 
that the parent should keep in mind or the parent should do in a situation like this? I think if it's possible, cultivate empathy for the girls, yeah. right? I mean, I think it's very hard to be a seventh grade girl. You got a whole lot of romance and nowhere to land it. And yeah. um, it's always amused me and interested me how um, boy bands have made great money on this, right? I mean, if you listen to the lyrics of boy band songs, they're like, you're so wonderful. Nobody but me notices. I think you're really special. So they're like, there's all this energy. Let's like make money on it, right? Yeah. So I think um, if it's possible to cultivate some empathy for the fact that the girls are ready for romance and they may not be finding, you know, ready partners, maybe, and you can do that side by side with saying, but the way they're going about it is really not okay. There's also the Taylor Swift approach. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. <laughs> Something from that. Got to take some inspiration from any of her songs. I think there's a huge amount of value in thinking, as many girls do, what would Taylor Swift do in this moment? And as also many boys do. And I will tell you, Rena, a very funny little story. Um, we live where there's plenty of insects, and so we have a regular... Um, person who just come by and like treats the house for bugs. Mm -hmm. And I had Taylor Swift going in the kitchen and the exterminator, he was like, I'm a closet Swifty. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> your secret is safe with me. <laughs> Taylor Swift, when in doubt, she Absolutely. will deliver on multiple yes, fronts, even will. parenting. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we got a new line on this. We got to figure it out. <laughs> so what do you have for us, Lisa, for parenting to go? Besides what would Taylor Swift do? Yeah, I mean, we yeah, should okay. just end it right there. Maybe that just do that. Um, parenting to go. So, Rena, this conversation had a very heterosexual frame around it, I think largely because of the letter. It was about boy, girls harassing boys. But there are a couple of points I actually want to pick up on this in the parenting to go. First of all, harassment occurs across all sexual orientations. And, and this is something, of course, we want to be mindful as we think about harassment with our kids. The other thing I always tried to do in my own parenting is that when I was talking about anything related to love lives or romance or sexuality with my own kids, I never presumed them to be heterosexual, my own kids. I wouldn't say, oh, when you marry your husband or things like that. Whenever we were talking about romance, I would go out of my way to say things like, oh, you and your, the person you end up with, you know, or... The person you find yourself marrying, I tried to always keep it neutral and generic and never to just work with a heterosexual frame around the kinds of conversations at home that we were having. So just by using neutral language, yeah, you're kind of not putting the pressure on either way and you're not going one way or the other, but it leaves the door open. You're making no assumptions here. So I might, I try to be mindful of how we go about these things so that our kids know that we are open and aware and not making assumptions about who they might love. And it's so easy, especially when emotions are high, to make assumptions and go in a different direction. Yeah. Great advice, as always, Lisa. Thank you so much. Next week, we're going to talk about what do you do when you have dicey information about someone else's kid, should you share it? Should you phone the parent up? Do you remain silent? We're going to take on that one next week. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to Ask Lisa at drlisademore.com. 
And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.